over there. They're not your friends. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, give Pitches it, it back to check. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle! The doctor is now in. Happy Monday to you. T.C. Martin with you. As we recap a very hard-hitting, heavy, busy football weekend. The college side, the NFL side, the Raiders. Wow. That's all we got to say. Raiders. Wow. Again. Here we go again. Talking about a home game where they're favored, they're supposed to win, do not win, can't get the job done, and not only lose, but lose in a pathetic, disappointing fashion. Raiders lose to Washington 17-15 yesterday. And again, being there, and I spent a majority of the time close to the field, there was a lot of Washington fans there. A lot of Washington fans. For a team that's played better as of late, but really not having a fantastic year, I didn't know how well they would travel, and they did. So again, we've seen that this year. Dolphin fans eh, showed up a little bit. Bear fans showed up a lot. Eagles fans showed up a lot. Bengal fans was pretty loud in there. And then here come the Washington football team fans. They're all there. So a lot of noise being made, especially when the Brian Johnson 48-yard field goal went through the uprights with you know 37 seconds uh, to go. All right, so we'll uh, recap what we saw yesterday at Elysian Stadium where the Raiders fall now to 6-6 six and six after the victory, a team that has really given away games. And I'm not going to say they gave away the game yesterday because Washington just outplayed the Raiders, plain and simple. Really don't want to use the term dominated, but when you really look at it, they did. They did. Washington took care of the Raiders from the onset, scored on the very first drive, went down, went up 7 nothing. You knew they were going to be ready to play. Kudos to Ron Rivera because he's a fantastic coach, and he's got this team playing some very, very good football despite having all kinds of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. You have no Chase Young you got no Montez Sweat. Uh, you got a bevy of other injuries on both sides of the ball. And then here we go again. Uh, the Raiders, you think, they're a small favorite in this game, coming in against a lesser opponent, which really Washington isn't. But you expect to win at home, a team traveling 3,000 miles, come to play you. And for the most part, the Raiders do what they've done quite a bit this season. Slow start. And they don't get the job done. So we got that we're going to dive into today. Uh, Houston Nutt is going to join us. Great college football weekend. 
last weekend, of course, we had the conference championship games. Uh, the college football playoff is now set. We are ready. And Alabama, lo and behold, look who's at the top as they take care of business. Thank you very much. Take the six and a half, win outright, win going away over Georgia, 41-24 on Saturday. So Alabama, number one, Michigan, number two, Georgia, three, Cincinnati, four, college football playoff set, no controversy at all. No controversy. Baylor took care of Oklahoma State. Notre Dame on the outside looking at number five, but you know they're not playing in a conference. They're not playing a conference championship game. Oh, probably one of the reasons why Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go take the big money over at LSU. But no controversy. And this is the first time in a long time on the following Monday that we're not talking about controversy and who got left out here. Now, you may want to argue the order. Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. I know Michigan fans are going to say, hey, we whipped Ohio State. We decimated Iowa. Well, you're supposed to decimate Iowa. You're favored by 11.5, 12 points. Come on. Uh, But Michigan isn't number two. They're not number one. Alabama played the tougher schedule. Alabama drill-pressed the number one consensus number one team. It's been number one pretty much all year long. Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four. And Cincinnati gets in a little bit of a scare earlier on against Houston, but they had enough to outweigh their American Athletic Conference opponent in Houston, who, as Trevor Maddich mentioned on the show Friday, really didn't, but they played one of the worst schedules in the country. It showed Cincinnati crawls in at number four. Are we okay with Cincinnati? They beat Notre Dame. Fine. Is Cincinnati going to win a game? No, they're not going to win a game in this tournament. But they're there. Would I rather see Baylor? Absolutely I would. Would I rather see Notre Dame? Absolutely I would. But we got Cincinnati shoved down our throat because they beat a bunch of inferior teams. I know they beat Notre Dame. That was their one and only good win all season long. And they get to sneak in and they get drill-pressed for coming to the party by Alabama coming up here in a couple weeks. That's what's going to happen. Right, and then we have to hear the talk again. Well, really, did the Power Five, you know, team or the non-Power Five team, you know, really belong in here? No, they don't. But I'd ra- yeah, I'd I'd much rather see Baylor, Alabama, Notre Dame, Alabama, would be much more intriguing. And what do we get for it? We get Alabama, what a thirteen-point favorite. Come on, but that's okay. The people that want to root for the underdog, they want the undefeated team. They want someone outside the non-Power 5. You got it. But just remember what you're going to get coming up here in a couple weeks. May Cincinnati make a game of it? Maybe. They did against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year, right? They did. But now this is different. This is a playoff game. You know, Georgia really wasn't that enthused about the Sugar Bowl last year after getting drilled like they did last year against Alabama in the game prior. So we'll see what happens. All right. So did the committee get it right? They got it right, in my opinion. So Houston Nutt will join us. We'll talk to him. Matt Holt will join us next hour. We'll talk about the recapping of uh, what our eyes saw in the NFL Week 13. And we'll also preview tonight's game, a huge one, a great Monday Night Football game between the Patriots and the Bills. Talk about that. And we go across the pond a little bit later this hour with Paul Buckpower Stewart, uh, fresh back off his uh, gallivanting around in Tampa Bay. Now he's back in England Buck Power will be joining us. All right, so a packed show, fun show, good show, informative show, 
And uh, now let's get to the rain and raving part of the show. Washington 17, Raiders 15. And like I said, here's the bottom line about the Raiders. This team just isn't very good. That's it. And I'm not just saying this because they're coming off a loss, because they alternate wins and losses. They're 500 again. They haven't been good for a long time. They haven't been over 500 at what, one time in the past 20 seasons. And enough is enough already. They are not facing a tough schedule here. And when you're losing games, you know, to, to the likes of, you know, of teams you know like the Bears and Dolphins and, and company like that, and Washington. This just isn't a very good team. You can get excited, and you can think, hey, this team has hope when they win a game or they defeat someone who's pretty decent, like they did against Dallas. They went on the road, beat Dallas, played a good game, but remember how they won that game. Had to go overtime, and the opponent committed 166 yards penalties. 14 penalties, 166. The game was filled with penalties, 267, or rather I'm saying 276, because the Raiders had 110 themselves. So, okay, maybe Dallas overlooked it, but whatever. Raiders got a victory. That's fine. But you got to back it up at home. And again, at home, the slow starts would happen again. Derek Carr being very inconsistent again. No threat of a running game again. There is no fear of any running back on the Raiders roster. Kenyon Drake got hurt, unfortunately. Bad blow for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, nice running back as well. But there is just no fear. It's not like you're looking down the barrel of a Derrick Henry or any you know, high-octane back. You're not fearful of that. Yes, Derek Carr came in leading the NFL in passing yardage. He's 6 and 6 as the leader of this team. We'll hear from Derek Carr here in a couple minutes, all right? The defense can't come up with big stops when they need it. No defensive player on this roster strikes any fear. You had Khalil Mack years ago, okay? But he didn't do the team any justice. He didn't want to stay He had some decent games, but he had some games where he no-showed. No prominent pro bowlers on this roster. Say what you want about Darren Waller. Waller, nice player. Injured yesterday. Didn't play. But that's what the bottom line is. The bottom line is this team just isn't very good. That's it. And that's why you get what you get. That's why you get the results that you get. The team is 6-6. Coaching is atrocious at this point in time as well, too. The offensive play calling, very questionable. Misuse of timeouts. All of those things happened again yesterday. And you know we're starting to find out? That the Raiders really do miss John Gruden. At least from a play calling standpoint, an offensive standpoint. This is what you get here with the Raiders. This team just is not good. Another slow start. Washington got a touchdown. Their opening drive yesterday. Tyler Heineke, seven-yard pass to Logan Thomas. All right? 7 nothing. You're playing from behind again. And what do the Raiders do on their first three drives? First three drives, punt, punt, punt. Then they got a, a, a field goal from Daniel Carlson, one of the best. Be it a 52-yard field goal. 
They're not even getting into red zones any time during the first half of, uh, of these games. The Raiders are settling for field goals instead of touchdowns. Washington got touchdowns yesterday. Raiders got field goals. That's why you got the result that you got yesterday as well, too. And remember, all of this against a Washington defense that's banged up. Like I said, no young, no sweat. Raiders can't move the ball consistently. Let's throw some credit at Jack Del Rio's uh, for him, who is a Ron Rivera's defensive coordinator with Washington. You think he wanted to win this game? Being jettisoned from the Raiders many, many years ago? Of course he did. Raiders scored on on one drive yesterday. We had one touchdown on a 75-yard drive. But guess what happened on that drive? They got the Josh Jacobs touchdown. They were aided by three Washington defensive penalties on that drive. That's why they got the touchdown. Drives were extended. Officials, that's another thing. What's for all the Raiders? <laughs> so many things. Our good friend Brian Blessing, who does the show right before us here, I know he's got some thoughts. Brian, what's going on, man? Buddy, forgive me. I mean, 30 seconds. I'm listening to you, <laughs> and what you said is spot on. But I'm telling you, it infuriates me as a Bills fan when people say the Bills can't run the ball, I say that's not true. They can run the ball. It's their approach to running that's no good. And the Raiders do the exact same thing. You watch Jacobs. One time yesterday, they line him up in the I formation. He gets the ball running towards the line of scrimmage with some momentum, reads a hole, cuts it outside, gets about 12 yards. The next 10 times this guy gets the ball, it's an inside delay handoff, and they're giving the ball to the running back when he's flat-footed standing still. I mean, Jacobs is a good running back. You know, line, if you're going to run the ball, line up and run the damn ball. That's it. It's your show. I'm done. (laughs) I appreciate the call, man. Again, you're right right on the money as well. And it's not just that, but it is the play calling as well, too. When we go back to the Cincinnati game a couple weeks ago, and we're looking at it's third and seven, third and eight, and they're running the ball up the middle. People are scratching their head. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, do you want to commit to running the ball or not? Absolutely not. And that and that's what Gruden has never done. And he said, you know what? You know, and now people are asking Derek Carr, they go, what do you think about the play calling here? No one wants to touch this. Does Josh Jacobs want the ball more? Of course he does. He wants to touch a rock more, no doubt about it. But I can't figure out for any rhyme or reason the play calling with Greg Olson, what is going on here? This is a hard team to figure out offensively, my friend. Well, I think it's an indictment of football and the era of football the way it's being played. I've been saying this forever. I mean, a quarterback sneak, yeah, you don't want to get your quarterback killed. But I'm telling you, I mean, you got Oklahoma State. Sure enough, cost the team a chance of playing for a national championship. You got the ball at the one-inch line. Right. None of these teams have a short yardage package that's, package that's worth a hill of beans. I mean, how does it make any sense when you're – literally a foot from the goal line to snap the ball five yards back in the shotgun. It's insanity. You're right, man. You're totally right. Exactly. I mean, short yards packages, where are they? The fullback? Where's the fullback? That's a dinosaur. You don't see that anymore. Now, Alec Ingold, he's injured. He's one of the few. 
Think about that. One of the few fullbacks of any NFL team, uh, but no one wants to use it. You're right. Snap it back four or five yards back. Yeah, try to gain less than a yard. Forget about it. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Hey, who won the Super, who won the Super Bowl last year? PC and how did they win it? Oh, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady there. that. Leonard Fournette ran it over down people's throats. There you go. If you're going to win the whole thing, you got to run the ball. You got it, brother. Let's see if those Buffalo Bills can run the ball. I got Singletary in my fantasy team. I, can he give me five points tonight? Can he get in the end zone? Can he give me like 60, 70 yards, Brian Blessing? Please give me give me some Buffalo yeah. tonight. If they line up in the I formation and give them the ball, yes. If they do the same nonsense with the inside delay handoff, no. Yeah, I, exactly. That's my fear. That's my fear, exactly. I think you're onto something, though, though. Uh, Josh Allen, your boy, yards rushing tonight, right? That makes a lot of sense. I, he threatens 35 yards, you know, on one scramble. But the wind conditions are so horrific there tonight. I've got to believe there are four or five designed running plays for him in addition to the scrambling. Uh, that, that sticks out like a sore thumb to me. All right, you laying two and a half or three uh, with the uh, Bills tonight? You like it? I bet, I bet Josh Allen rushing yards. <laughs> okay. That might be easier. All right, man, go enjoy a hot toddy in front of your TV tonight while you watch your, your brethren in Buffalo freeze their nuts off. How's that? And chicken wings. you got to do it. Of course you do. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right, pal. I'll see you, bud. There Thanks. he is, Brian Blessing. Of course, you can hear us, hear him right before us here, 12 to 2 every day. Great stuff. All right. Back to the Raiders. Yesterday, ugly football game. Plain and simple, ugly football game. Uh, until the fourth quarter. Then things started to go. All right? Uh, like I said, Raiders took the lead. Uh, well, actually, had a chance to take the lead. They were down. All right, 14 to 6 because they could only muster field goals. And then finally, that 75 yard drive I talked about, they got in the end zone with Josh Jacobs. Jacobs in trouble, breaks a tackle, and he's in for the touchdown, Las Vegas. All right, Raiders cut the lead to 14 12. Life in the building at Legion Stadium. They're going crazy there. And then what do you do? Kick the extra point, you go for two. Got plenty of time left, you know, a whole quarter. Now they decide to go for two and did not connect on that. Carr and Aaron pass. And then uh, next thing you know, it's it's it's, four, it's 14 to 12. However, the Raiders did get the ball back, had a chance, uh, actually took the lead with a field goal. Uh, you know, again, relying on Carlson. So they've got themselves a lead at 15-14, to 14, and they have victory in their hand. That's right. Despite being outplayed nearly the entire game, what happens next? All you have to do is play defense. You know, for a couple minutes, that's all you got to do. And then here's what we got next. Defensive breakdowns, coaching malfunctions, and misuse of timeouts. Let's break down Washington's final drive for you. All right, they get the ball. 2.22 to go. It goes like this. Down by one point. Just need a field goal, right? 2.22 to go. If you're a Raiders fan, you're thinking, okay, here we go again. Starts off with Heineke. Nine-yard completion. Then you've got Antonio Gibson rush up the middle for four yards. Then you get a pass completion of 10 yards to midfield. Whoa, now you're saying... It's worry time if you're a Raider fan. Now you're 
you're at midfield. You're at the 48-yard line, to be exact. And you're thinking, there's still plenty of time left here. And now there's a minute and a half to go. Then Heineke completes a 12-yard pass down to the Raiders' 40-yard line. This time you're biting your fingernails and saying, okay, this, this, is, this is not good. Because they couldn't stop him. There was not an incompletion to this point. Next pass by Heineke. Uh, nearly intercepted by Trayvon Morig. This should have been ball game right there. Heineke made a mistake, got some pressure, threw one off his back foot, threw into triple coverage, nothing but three black jerseys there. Trayvon Morig had the ball, dropped the ball, and Raider fans are just grabbing themselves and saying that was it. Because they probably knew that because of that drop pass, now the inevitable is going to happen. But that was it. Game over. Instead, drive continues. Now it's second and ten. Heineke, pass completion to Gibson for six yards to the 34-yard line. Inbounds. What's Rich Passaccia do? He calls a timeout. He calls a timeout. He uses two defensive timeouts. When you are ahead, you're ahead. You're on defense. Washington just got the ball across the 50. It's not like you need to burn timeouts. You know when you burn timeouts? When you know the team is going in. When they're inside the 20. They're down at the 10-yard line. And the field goal is inevitable. Remember, you have Brian Johnson, who just got signed earlier this week. All right? Their kicker got hurt. They had to release him. They signed this guy off the street. And what you're doing by calling timeouts, okay, after second down and after third down, is that in the Raiders' mind, Rich Passage's mind is like, well, we want to leave ourselves enough time. No! Let Washington use their timeouts. Save your timeouts. And if Washington doesn't want to use their timeouts, which look like they weren't even planning on doing, you let them run fewer plays and make a stop, maybe get a turnover, maybe get a sack, Maybe Washington really gets conservative, and then you have to just settle on a 50-yard field goal. But what happened, the Raiders helped Washington out by using two defensive timeouts. That's what happened there. Third and four, Samuel rushed to the 31 for three yards. Timeout! Here comes a fourth and one now. Washington is debating whether to go for it or kick the field goal. Looked like they were going to go for it. Nah, Raiders game time to think it over. What happens? Brian Johnson trots on the field with with 40 seconds to go. Here's your game. And he sneaks it through. Oh, my. Guts personified by Johnson. 42 seconds left in the game. Fourth and one. 48-yard field goal by Brian Johnson. It's good. And there it is. Now. If you had timeouts remaining and had some faith in your offensive play calling, you'd think, got a shot here, right? 42 seconds to go, but now the Raiders only have one timeout. That's all they got left, all right? The drive stalls. You had a couple of car incompletions, one completion in play. Too much time runs off the clock. Misuse, again, of communication, timeouts. You know, no guarantee the Raiders are going to score, but... If you have all three of your timeouts or at least two timeouts, you know, with, with 40 seconds to go, you only need three. And you know Carlson is good as gold from probably anywhere 
inside 60 yards. And I mean that. At Allegiant Stadium, this guy doesn't miss. Just get the ball inside of Washington territory. Get him inside the 50. You got a shot to win this game. Get down to the 40. You're probably going to win the game. Didn't happen. Time left. Couldn't get it done. There it is. Here's another stat for you. Derek Carr had 294 yards yesterday. Do you know when Derek Carr throws for less than 300 yards what the Raiders record is? 0 and 6. 0 and 6. Yeah. Heineke didn't throw for a bunch of yards, but you know what? He was he was on target. Gibson was was phenomenal. Rivera did a great job of coaching. Didn't burn his timeouts. Jack Del Rio was ready against his former team. A game the Raiders should have won, could have won, and they lose in a low-scoring affair, 17-15. to 15. Now, I think that's you know a pretty crazy stat about the Raiders being 0-6 when Carr throws for under 300 yards. And we were just talking about the Raiders' running game. Here's one for you. Carr threw 18 passes yesterday, his first 18 passes. The total yardage that those uh, passes covered, his first 18 passes, 36 yards. Where's the downfield? There is no throwing the ball downfield whatsoever. Tried to throw the ball downfield one time. And the last drive, and it sounded like this. Carr, rolling, looking, just going to throw it as far as his arm can take him. Jones is down there, incomplete, no flag. Bobby McCain on the coverage. So McCain was grabbing at the jersey. Fans were going ballistic. I know people, if you're watching at home, you you had the chance to, to look at the replay, I guess. We, we didn't see it there at the stadium. But uh, Raiders thought they got jobbed on that call. And it kind of goes back to what we had talked about last week with Bill Cartwright and others. Hey, you know, uh, the, the, the defensive holding, the pass interferences, you know, maybe all those penalties that were, you know, called for, for pass interference, defensive holding uh, with the Raiders and the Cowboys had something to do with it. Who knows what? Last minute of the ball game, referee's going to swallow their whistle. They swallowed it. Don't know. Bottom line is Raiders can't get settled for field goals. They got to get touchdowns. That's why they lost the football game. Not because of that. Plain and simple. Raiders go down to Washington 17 15. They're now 6 and 6. Oh, and by the way, the schedule coming up now Kansas City, Cleveland, Chargers, Broncos. Yeah. <laughs> so the Raiders got five games left. For the next five games, they face teams all with winning records. The only other team they face on the schedule are the Broncos. They have the same record as the Raiders at 6-6. Six and six. So you're not facing a team with a losing record for the rest of the way. These were the games that you're supposed to win. Yesterday, you need to win. Because 7-5 and five is a lot better than 6-6. Six and six. And again, losing another home game. Mm, ugly stuff. All right, uh, we'll play some sound for you uh, coming up uh, a little bit later. You'll hear from uh, Derek Carr, Rich Passaccia, and also Josh Jacobs in the frustration level. Just a plenty there. When we come back, though, we'll talk to our good friend, Paul Buck Power Stewart. 
We go across the pond for some fun coming up next. T.C. Martin Show on a magnificent Monday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. All right, Houston Nuts going to join us next hour. We talk about the college football playoff. It's set. We're ready to go. Trevor Metz will join us this week uh, as well, too. Busy week, of course. And back at the Cosmopolitan on Friday with our best bets. Good stuff, as always. Matt Holt joins us next hour. We recap what our eyes saw the NFL Week 13, and we preview tonight's game between the Bills and the Patriots. Look forward to that tonight. But right now, let's take some time. Go across the pond. And a man who's been doing a lot of traveling, probably getting plenty of frequent flyer uh, miles as well, too. He is Paul Buck Power Stewart. He's got the great website, of course, buckpower.com. Get the perspective of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, through the eyes of this Brit. What's going on, my friend? TC, it's great to talk to you again. Yes, it was uh, very strange to be back in America again for the first time in two years. It was uh, a great experience to be home now that the Americans let the Brits back in again. So I went through all kinds of testing. But yes, I got to see the Bucks win on Monday Night Football against the Giants. Yeah, Buck Power is here. Uh, was, well, I said here. He was in the States two weeks ago. You saw the Bucks roll over the Giants 30-10. Uh, to 10. And I'm going to get into that with you here in a minute, Paul. But I, I want to uh, touch on you know, your experience. And, and But first, you, know, you mentioned the travel. There were these travel restrictions that have been taking place for, for the better part of the past you know, two years. What were the challenges coming from that way, coming from England to the United States? And, um, you know, was it when you actually were able to make the trip, was it like, you know, travel as usual or what was it like? Well, it was, I had to do a test 72 hours before flying. That's actually been changed in the last week to 24 hours before flying. That's fine. Um, there were various other forms I had to complete online before I was allowed to even board the plane. It was quite strange. When I got to Tampa Airport, there was no difference at all. It was almost assumed, okay, you've done all the testing, that's fine. And it was the same coming back to the UK. So, yes, there were a couple more tests you had to do, sort of lateral flow tests, not really a big problem. But then once I got to Florida, it was almost like COVID didn't exist. (laughs) So whereas here in the UK, we're still wearing masks when you go into shops, once I got outside of Tampa Airport, it was like, okay, nothing's changed. Everything's back to normal again. Very strange. Yeah, Florida, Texas is that way, and Nevada to a certain degree as well, too. So, yeah, I get it. So, like you said, they're in England. I mean, this they're, they're still very, very cautious. What are the cases like over in England? There, there are a number of cases. I think it's difficult to put a number on these things because you, you don't really know the sort of age groups of people you're testing and if it's serious or not. Certainly, we're seeing other countries around Europe are having a lot more restrictions put back on them. I think Germany and Austria, for example, have said if you're not vaccinated, you're in lockdown. So in other words, you have you have the vaccination or else. We're a bit more liberal here in the UK, but it really is a case if you want to travel between countries, you're going to have to take to the vaccinations. And I, I had no side effects to either of mine. I had my booster jab. I'm fine. I just had to make sure I answered all the questions correctly when I came into the US. I didn't admit that I knew nunchuck. 
Because if I if I'd admitted that on the visa form, they would have never let me in the country too soon. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah, especially if you were questioned, you know, here coming into the great state of Nevada, you know, then it, it, it'd be all over, no doubt. <laughs> no, it was it was great to be back. I mean, you know, so it's been it was three years since I've last been been across to Florida. Um, two years before since any of us have been allowed across. But just to get to see a couple of hockey games, catch up with a lot of friends, it, it was it was like I'd never been away. You know, it was like it was back to being normal again. And I'm sure next year I'll be going to hopefully spring training baseball. <laughs> That's another story. But certainly more Bucks games in the future. So, Paul Buck Power Stewart, you are an esteemed member of the media. Uh, again, you do a fantastic job and have been for a long time with in conjunction with the Buccaneers with the website buckpower.com. When you came here, you know, to to Tampa, I should say, and were you a working member of the media or did you come strictly as a fan? Well, I came strictly as a fan for this one. And I mean, there are there are incredible restrictions on what you can do. Normally, I'd have gone to the training complex. I'd have been on the sideline pregame. I couldn't do any of that. Um, the Buccaneers training complex is still pretty much closed to everybody. Even a lot of the media and PR people work from home during the day and they do all the interviews. You know, the players come and sit at a, at a console, you know, outside and do the interviews like that. So it has very much, the NFL has put these rules in for all the teams. So, yes, I was there as a fan. I was at a tailgate for six, seven hours before meeting lots of people. And I really did, you know, watch the game just from under the pirate ship with a bunch of friends because I wanted to experience it as a fan again rather than, than working in any form. All right, so the tailgate experience. Now, we had T.J. Reeves on with us that day. He, he, he spoke to us live from Raymond James Stadium, and he told us two weeks ago on that Monday that he had just left you at the tailgate party, and I said, we got to get Buck Power on. I mean, Buck Power is in the United States. He's basically on site. He's there. And he goes, no, 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 Buck Power sloshed. Buck Power, oh, bro. I'm low key fake. So let's hear it. So I mean, you couldn't even. Good thing you weren't credentialed. They wouldn't have let you in the building. So when you say you were a fan, I believe you were a fan. But what were you doing? What were you partying? What were you drinking? You said six or seven hours. Buck Power, how do you even know what game you were watching? Believe me, I, I was not drinking at all. I know it sounds strange, but there were lots of people who wanted to meet me to talk about my experience as being a Buccaneer fan and for what I do with the site. So, yeah, I called up with TJ. I definitely had no alcohol because I really was just, you know, it's, I wanted to enjoy the whole experience. But I did treat, I did take TJ Reeves to a lightning game the following day, and we might have had a beer each at that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, usually at home, you know, you're watching the games with your frosty beverage, and you actually come to a tailgate party. You're not working media. You're going as a fan, and you're not drinking. There's something wrong here. I know. I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. Next time I come to a game, I will have at least two or three beers for you guys. How about that? All right. So here's what I want to know. The tailgate experience. All right, what foods did you consume there at the tailgate? Well, it was, there was um, I think they had some sort of sort of sort of like buffet service where they were serving, you know, and there, there was some um, a couple of burgers and and sort of um, pulled pork. I think I sampled a bit of that. It was just nice to be there, you know, to talk. There were so many people who TC I've got to know through social media, but I've never met in person. You know, it's like you and I have never met in person yet, right. but you get to know and work with people, and it was the same experience for meeting fans. 
you know, in Florida who I'd never come across before. And it was just great to sit and talk with them and, and just have a great experience. It was all the part of the whole game experience for me. A bunk power? That sounds like online dating. That's what we call it here in the States. I, I think that's what you were doing. Meeting people online. That's it. Huh? Did you, did you meet some good American females? Um, I'm going to take the fifth amendment. Oh, he is Paul Buckpower Stewart, one of our favorites. So back to the food. I want to know when you went to a tailgate. So did you enjoy? Uh, it would be the same type of foods that you would eat back in England at home, or totally different. Or I mean, what did that tailgate experience look like for you? Because I know they have to do definitely do tailgating uh, for the big soccer matches there, right? Is, is it similar no, or different? Not at all. I know we, we talked about this before. No, tailgating is not really a big thing involved in English mm. sports, simply because there isn't the facility to do it. Right, that's the, right. The grounds. Yeah. Because a lot of the football grounds are really in built-up areas, there isn't really car parking around. There isn't a lot of parking at Wembley Stadium, for example. So even when we've had the NFL games at Wembley, there's no kind of big tailgate experience like that. It, it just doesn't happen. So you very much, when you go to a soccer game, you travel to the game, you go into the stadium, you watch the game, you go home again afterwards. It's a tailgating is very much an American thing that we do if we come over as part of the experience. But of course, you wouldn't be able to do if you came over here to any sporting event here. So what what do you think of the food that you saw at the tailgate? Did you say, well, that's you know not really what I'm used to, or did you indulge? Was it was it good? What were your thoughts about it? About- I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm not a great I'm not a great experimenter with my food. I've got to go over to India later next year and see one of my friends who lives there. I don't know what I'm going to eat in the four or five days I'm out in India. But it was it was nice just to see the whole experience of how a tailgate was put on, all the work that went into it. And it really is a social experience. You know, right. you've got eight or nine home games a year, and it beca- it's more than just going to watch the game. Whereas here in the UK watching sport, it's about... You turn up, you watch the game, you go home. Here it becomes more of a social experience. You know, you're there with friends and colleagues. And I think you you, you do the whole package a lot better than, than anyone else in the world. So if you had to orchestrate and you'd be in charge of a tailgate experience, Paul, what would you bring to the tailgate? I, I don't know. I would pass on that one. I do remember back in the mid-'80s, they had the first NFL game at Wembley was the Cowboys and Bears. It was an exhibition game in '86, And for a PR stunt, I invited the American ambassador to a tailgate I was just going to have at the back of my car, you know, and it was a bit of a, of a joke. And, and I got this lovely letter back saying, no, I, I can't attend, but would you like to come to my party at the American Embassy and meet the players instead? And I thought, that's a good trade-off. <laughs> so next thing I was talking to Walter Payton and Mike Ditker and Tom Landry. <laughs> Go Bears! So, so, Paul, I mean, I'm giving you, like, what you normally eat there. I mean, if you had a tailgate and you get to, you get to create the menu, you yourself, you're inviting whoever you're inviting, what, what, are, you, what are you serving up? What would it be? I, I, I really have no experience of this, TC. I mean, you, I, I I mean what do you eat at home? I mean, you, you, okay, you, you, you watch the game at home, and I, I understand the oddball hours and everything. I mean, come on. Are you telling me what? You're just a, a, a plain Jane, uh, just a, a beer, some fish, some chip. I mean, what is it? And that's fine, too. Yeah, that, that's I, me. I mean, I, I mean, for example, last night, 
The Bucks were on a what you had to go as a one o'clock East game, which is six o'clock here in the UK, which is quite normal. I mean, not next week. It's time for a banger. In the evening, it's one in the morning mm. on Monday Night Football. So to me, yesterday, I was sitting eating like a roast dinner <laughs> while have, you know while watching the Bucks game. Because to me, it was an evening sport. You know, this time difference thing is really big here. Mm. And it, it means that we watch games in a very different way to you guys. All right. Paul Buck Power Stewart, let's talk uh, some bucks here real quick. So, uh, Antonio Brown, the fake vaccination <laughs> card, right? Uh, now, let, let's, let's find out. Paul Stewart, is there any truth to the rumor that you did have some involvement in uh, assisting uh, Antonio Brown here? Because he, he went out... Somebody else, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, some, who was it? His masseuse or somebody? It was, I, I believe his chef. it was his chef. His chef, exactly. I know, yeah. I, I do know the guy who broke the story who works for the Tampa Times. I've had run-ins with him once or twice <laughs> before. And we might have done a fake journalist card about him saying that he's licensed to talk about the NFL in the same <laughs> way. My view on Antonio Brown is he's an absolute head case. You know, he's, he's, there's reason he's been amongst all these NFL teams and got all over the place. He's a liability. So the only reason he is on the Bucks is because Tom Brady wants him there. So my view is if he stays on the roster after this suspension, it means Tom Brady is running things in one buck place. And what Tom says goes. If they cut Antonio Brown, which, to be honest, I would have done for that, then... You know, you, you, you're going to see who's pulling the strings. And I think, really, it's whatever Tom says goes. Why is everybody always picking on me? <laughs> <laughs> the Bucks are 9-3. and three. Brady yeah. having a fantastic year. I mean, MVP season. I mean, he's leading the NFL in completions, attempts, mm-hmm. yards, touchdowns. He's got 34 of those. Do you think the Bucks are relying too much on him, you know, right now? That's a good point, CC. I mean, at the moment, there have been times this year when the Bucks have been very guilty of, well, we're Super Bowl champions, all we've got to do is turn up. And it happened back in 03 with Gruden's team where they thought they could just turn it on whenever they could. And the Bucks lost a game to Washington. They lost a game early on to New Orleans where they really thought they just had to walk on the field and they were going to win. Now, you need wake-up calls like that during the season. But, I mean, when it comes to it, Brady is very much doing a lot more check-down. Now, Atlanta yesterday were playing a lot of cover two, cover three. It was all underneath passing, and it worked because Atlanta aren't a very good team. I think if they go up against a team like Buffalo next week, if they come up against the likes of the Packers or the Rams in the playoffs, it'd be a different kettle of fish. But, I mean, something from the game yesterday is when it comes to pick sixes, Tom Brady can throw some pick sixes with the best of them. Because if you haven't seen it, they tried to throw a screen pass from their own 10-yard line with 20 seconds left in the half. And he pretty much threw it straight to the defensive lineman for a score. Now, it didn't affect the final result. But you can imagine, you know, Brady being the sort of... uh, sort of devoted follower of, you know, getting making better than he is, he was sitting to watching that video before bedtime thinking, I'm not going to do that again. But Brady very much is Brady. You know, whatever he says, he does. He's got all these great weapons. And I think the Bucks are one of the best teams in the NFC, but I don't think they're playing their best football yet. But as you know, TC, it's not who plays the best in December, it's who, who plays the best in January. You know, Paul, it was the uh, two times you used the term 
turn up here. Uh, you know, that has a different meaning here in the United States when we're saying turned up. You do realize that, do you? And you'll have to explain that one to me. I don't know yeah. this one seems Yeah, to well, turn up. Uh, hey, we're turned up means we're at a party. We're, 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 we're going, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's all systems go, my friend. I mean, uh, pull down the barriers. We're getting turned up tonight. That's what's going on. They're going to be getting turned up in Buffalo tonight. Even though it'll be about 20 degrees, they're going to be drinking. Uh, you know, uh, clothes could be coming off, Paul Stewart. We're getting turned up. So when you say people are, are turned up there, you got to be careful what you say. I think it's a case that, you know, any defending champion, they believe they're hype. You know, and that's why it's so hard to repeat in sports because, you know, you, you win the Super Bowl and you then have the next seven months having smoke blown up your ass saying, look how fantastic you are, what a great team they are, you know, and then you, you believe your own hype and you go into the following season thinking, well, you know, we're playing Team X or Team Y and all we've got to do is walk on the field because we're the defending champions. And sometimes you need that wake-up call. And I think this is why Belichick has been such a good coach with the Patriots. Yes, he had Tom Brady and that they kept repeating and repeating. But the Bucks are having that reminder call. It's almost like a horse racing analogy. You need to give that team a reminder as they come down the home stretch so they're going their best as the winning post approaches. Mm. All right, uh, Paul Stewart, what is the biggest story that is going on in England right now from a sports perspective? Well, we've got a couple of things going on. Um, I mean, soccer's obviously always big because Manchester United have just changed managers again. But we've just had this evening one of the most unique things that happens in English sports. In that we have in soccer, we have the Premier League, but we have a big knockout tournament called the FA Cup that all the teams in England can enter. So you start off with all the smallest teams playing, and we get to the stage now where there are 64 teams left, just like you have your college basketball tournaments, and they do they do a draw. So imagine if you had all the Major League Baseball teams and all the minor league teams all being drawn out to play each other. So you can have the smallest team left in a competition against Manchester United or Chelsea, and it's one of the great moments... In, in English sport, is to listen to that draw and find out which of the really small teams are going to play one of the really big teams. And you never know, on the day, you can get a shock and it could be one of the biggest things that happens in English sports. It's a very unique British thing, something that totally unlike you have in America because of your franchise system. But imagine, for example, a, a double-A baseball team playing the Yankees and beating them in a one-off game. It would be that kind of giant-killing upset. So what is the, the odds or the chances that, that you do have these upsets? Are they usually blowouts, or do you have the occasional upset? There are occasional upsets. I mean, when I was – my, my own local team back in the 70s when I was a kid, we, we got through to the, the, the third or fourth round of the FA Cup, and we beat a top team, and it was a really major shock. And they still show the highlights of it to this day. You know, because it was unique. I mean, you, you think of big sporting upsets. I mean, wasn't it about 20 years ago, was it Appalachian State beat Michigan in a college game and no one expected it? So you do get these shock results. And it's a, again, it's a very British thing that we get into. All right. Uh, speaking of mismatches, uh, give it to our, our boy here, Numchuck, uh, our crack producer here. Uh, Paul Stewart, you got to explain this to me. Speaking of soccer. I saw a score here. It said England beat Lafayette 20 to nothing in a Women's World Cup qualifier. 20 to nothing? What is wrong with you, Bruce, over there? Your women beating up on Latvia. 
20 to nothing in a soccer game? I mean, what, the point when it gets to 5 nothing or 6 nothing. I mean, even Germany took it easy on Brazil. I mean, once they got to seven goals in the World Cup, my friend, you remember that. 20 to nothing? I mean, where's the mercy rule? What is going on here? You have no shame. What's wrong with you people? I think it was 20 to nothing because we missed one of the extra points. Um, yeah, it was just one of those fluke games where I think in women's soccer at the moment, there are two or three very good teams in Europe and there are a lot of very bad teams and you end up having to play each other. I mean, even in the men's tournament, England beat San Marino 10-0 a few weeks ago. Mm. So you do get these big blowout results. It can happen. The, the all-time record for the biggest victory in soccer was over 140 years ago and the game finished 36-0. It was a game in Scotland. Um, and, and there's all kinds of legendary stories about what really happened in that game and, and did the team have the correct kit. But 36-0 is the official record. 20-0 in this game. And I'm looking at the shots on goal, Paul. England <laughs> had 64. Latvia had nil. They did not get a shot on goal. I mean, at what point in time, do, what was the score here at half? What was the score at halftime here? I mean, you just got to just must, shut it, it down. On the way. I mean, just to put it into similar context, I mean, I, I was watching the Lightning play in Boston on Saturday night, and Boston were battering the Lightning, and yet the Lightning won. So you can get some surprise results, but that England-Latvia game was very much one of those. It was just a totally different class. It was like you know, a, a major league baseball team playing a bunch of 16, 17-year-olds from high school, and it wasn't a fair fight. And yes, if it had been boxing, the towel would have been thrown in. <laughs> there he is, Paul Buckpower Stewart. All right, Paul, uh, you have another big rivalry happening, I, I understand, too, right, coming up here. Yes, Just, we do. Yes. So the other big English sport everyone we have over here is cricket, and we have a rivalry with Australia um, because – Basically, that, that feud's been going on about 300 years. And we're about to start a series of cricket matches with the Australians called the Ashes. And it really is, it's not life and death. It's more important than that. Um, so, yeah, the first match starts this week. It's a five-match series. And England-Australia is huge. And there'll be people watching in the middle of the night to see what's happening. Obviously, cricket's a slow game. But, yeah, it's, it's a national rivalry and something that's very important to us. Can you please tell Numchuck that there is a difference between the, what the cricket you're speaking with and what he's playing right now? Yeah, I know, I know, yeah, I, I know. What can you do? You, you can't explain, you know. <laughs> Numchuck, it's baseball for the Brits. So, seriously, I want you to explain cricket to someone who has oh. never seen it before. How do you explain no. it? Real quick. No, we can't do it. We'll have to save that for another show. We haven't got time. But let's call it baseball for the Brits for now because I think there's one, there's one other subject I think we do need to get to on, on this section, and that's someone who you and I used to know very well, TC. Go ahead, yes. Um, I know Paul Stewart would love to give his condolences regarding our good friend, uh, Ballpark Frank. So uh, We tributed him know, a lot last week. I, I'm, and- not from the, I'm not from the States. I live you know, 6,000 miles away from you guys in Vegas. And in this profession, you get to know people without knowing them, if you get my meaning. You don't meet them face-to-face. You work with them over the air. You build up a rapport with them. And and you and I have been in the business a long time, TC, and you get to know the people who are good and the people who aren't so good. And, and I was on, when I was back on, when I first started working with you guys, back around the Super Bowl, and Frank was on the show, and it was a real 
three-way conversation, a real rapport, and we hit it off right from the start. And the last time we were on, a few weeks ago, Frank had just come out of hospital and he was talking to you from home and I was following him straight on and it was fantastic to hear him. You know, that I thought, this is fantastic. You know, maybe he's going to make a recovery. And when I heard the news, it, it really floored me. So although I never got to meet him in person, I felt like I knew him as a person. So my condolences to anyone who knew Frank. I regard him, regard him as a friend and the games will not be the same without him on air, TC. I appreciate that, Paul. And, you know, he had a great uh, fondness uh, of you as well. He loved uh, being part of our conversations uh, when we would have you on. And again, you know, there, he, he did not know you at, at all. Like, who is this guy we're going to have on? He goes, oh, wow, this is great. And next thing you know, uh, we're, we're, the Monty Python references, the Faulty Towers, they all start coming uh, over and over. And it was, it was great. And he was, he was very fond of you. I know that he had looked forward to, you know, one day hopefully having you come to Vegas for us to spend some time you know, together the way you did with T.J. Reeves there in Tampa. Uh, but yeah, very. It was a rough week last week, as you can imagine. I mean, uh, I, I can well understand. So I must admit, you know, when, when the Bears do start winning again one day in the future, right now he's up there. He's giving. Uh, he's, he's sitting there next to Walter Payton and George Hallis, and he, he's telling them what should be done with the Bears to make them a successful team again. TC. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate uh, your your thoughts and condolences because uh, we all miss Frank. And uh, again, it, we will always talk about Frank. We always have these great uh, uh, mem- memories, and uh, I really appreciate that. It means a lot uh, to me, and I know that it, it means a lot uh, to him as well, too, uh, and all of his friends and family. So, Paul Buck, Power Stewart, we appreciate you, my man. We will have you back on again. And uh, hey, Bucks keep winning. Uh, you never know. Maybe Paul Buck, Power Stewart makes an appearance. You know, back in the states. At the Super Bowl. It would be lovely if I could do that. So, yeah, it's a, thank you for having me on again, guys. To everyone driving around Vegas, keep the faith. Whatever team you support, enjoy it. Sports are a great thing to enjoy because, you know, sometimes life and death is a horrible thing, but we can all get together behind a sports team. So uh, keep the faith and uh, speak to you again, guys. Thank you very much, Paul. Well said. Paul Buck Power Stewart. Fantastic website uh, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, buckpower.com. Go check that out. All right, next hour, Matt Holt joins us, and we come back. We go to Texas, Houston Nut, CBS Sports. We talk college football.